Hi, I'm Janine O'Connell. I'm here at Bloomingdale Church working the food pantry today. We're open from 12 to 1 if you're not doing anything. And you're listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and I am joined this week by our Easter trivia champion, Dan Marcello. Hola. <laughs> Thank you, Bill Calvin. You might need to fix your mic, Bill. <laughs> you punched your mic while clapping. <laughs> by worship director, Scott Reed. Beard. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> I was going to say beardier than ever, which I don't think is quite true, but then in a while. Beardier than you've been in a while. And okay. associate pastor, Bill Calvin. Woo! <laughs> We're going to take a technical timeout and fix all the wires. <laughs> we now resume from our technical timeout with a prayer from Dan Marcello. <laughs> Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thank you for the chance to come together, Lord, and talk about the things that are important to you. And so, Lord, guide our conversation. Uh, Holy Spirit, be upon us, and may everything we say and do uh, be of blessing to you in your name, Lord, and for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've been thinking maybe we should reverse the order, because I think it's funny that Bill is always the one that gets the most claps, because Bill is the only one who claps for Dan, Okay. and then Dan starts clapping to reciprocate for Scott, and then all of us clap when it gets to Bill. <laughs> so maybe next week we'll reverse the order and and have a nice build-up. It's just funny to me that Bill is the one who gets, like, the standing ovation <laughs> when, when oh, Dan is the reason we're clapping. <laughs> He's earned it. That he has. <laughs> All right. Uh, listeners, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send in questions, would-you-rathers, uh, topic of the week suggestions to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org, just like Laurie did. Laurie? Laurie. Laurie. This is my mother-in-law, um, which is why we're having this conversation. <laughs> uh, she asked... Would you rather swim with sharks for an hour with no cage or bungee jump off the highest tower in the world? Just for context, uh, the highest artificial structure in the world is the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. It is 2,722 feet tall, which is over half a mile. At that height, by my own personal calculations, it would take you 18 seconds to, of free falling to hit the ground. Uh, by which point you would be traveling uh, 148 miles per hour. Uh, different bungee companies have different standards for how close they let you get to the ground, uh, but the average I could find was 100 feet, so you're going to free fall for 2,622 feet. I'll go with the bungee jumping because okay. I hate sharks. I hate them so much. You do. They terrify me. Uh, I don't really know like what the logistics of bungee jumping off of a building are mm -hmm. because you're like there's this, but I'm assuming they've figured that out. I'm not the bungee jumping company. That's true. Uh, and also, bungee jumping, generally speaking, I don't think is actually very dangerous at all um, mm -hmm. because otherwise people wouldn't do it. Um, and swimming with sharks, I don't think it's super dangerous, but there is more danger and it involves sharks, so I'm out. Bungee jumping. I have always had this policy, and I'd be interested in what you guys' opinion on it is, that I would rather fall from 10,000 feet than from 70 feet. If I'm going to mm -hmm. land on concrete, I'd like there to be no question that I'm going to die. Then, like, maybe I'll die or maybe I'll live and it'll be extremely painful. So <laughs> bungee jumping off of the Burj Khalifa sounds fine because it's like, oh, but the bungee cord might slow me down enough to keep me alive. 
It'll so this is why right I went a hundred feet, and then you'll and have your worst nightmare. <laughs> I fall from hundred feet. I jumped from the Burj Khalifa to avoid this. Um, so yeah, so swimming with sharks, I feel like uh, the worst case scenario is more uh, more of a sliding scale. There's a lot of bad things that can happen while you're swimming with sharks, uh, but really, there's only two things that can happen when you bungee jump off the Burj Khalifa. You can either live or die. I- I'm bungee jumping too because I just read a book about the sinking of the USS Indianapolis and the 300 men who were able to jump into the water, almost all of them died. And it was because they were eaten by sharks. So that that was written about in the book. And I thought, oh, what an awful way to die. Because it doesn't mean you're done immediately. They Mm -hmm. might just bite off your foot and you're bleeding and you're floating and they're circling you some more. It's... It's gruesome. Uh-huh. And what time period did the Indianapolis sink? Was it was it? just a few days before World War II ended. Okay. Oh. They almost made it. They did. They didn't even die to the war. They died to sharks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, honestly, both these things terrify me. Mm-hmm. I do the bungee jumping even though it terrifies me to fall. Like, roller coasters, that, that drop you feel, you know how you mm-hmm. go up to that one first spot on the roller coaster and you go down and you feel like your stomach's in your mouth. Multiply that by like a million. Uh, yeah, that's but, true. So when are we going? Well, <laughs> is well, this something they offer? I don't know. We'll to, don't Laurie, know. Please listeners, email in. Listeners can now donate anyway. to the Bridge Khalifa <laughs> Bungee, Bungee Jumping, Jumping Fund. Fund. We're leaving the jet ski fund hey, behind. My, uh, we got no, plans. no, no, no. We're not leaving that jet ski. My <laughs> old senior pastor is over in the United Arab Emirates now. Really? From Hingham, Massachusetts. Does he have any Dead. spare rooms and a spare United plane and a spare bungee cord? <laughs> I will say, you brought up uh, odds. I looked it up. Um, there's a, approximately a one in 500,000 is the standard assumption of the chance that a bungee cord will snap while you're using it. Mm. Uh, whereas I couldn't find one for swimming uh, without uh, a cage for sharks. Um, but the, the likelihood of sharks attacking the cage at all is closer to one in 1.1 million. So really? bungee jumping, uh, statistically, according to a very brief Google search, is uh, the more dangerous one of your mm. options. So, oh, we're locked in now. Go figure. There's no take backs. Uh, let's get into topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you by Alpha Online. Break up the monotony of COVID-19 quarantine and join us for Alpha Online. The same awesome Alpha experience has made the transition into an online-only format, including a welcoming community, plenty of space for questions and curiosity. Invite a friend to join you on Zoom for joke time, a video about Christianity, and a time of discussion. Alpha Online, Wednesday nights, at 7 p.m. on Zoom. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash alpha for the Zoom code or reach out to Bill C at bloomingdalechurch.org. You guys have that tonight. Has it been going well? Well, the first night went pretty well. Yeah, it did. Well, for Topic of the Week, just as some context for listeners, on April 30th, uh, the governor of Illinois extended our shelter-in-place order for the entire month of May. Um, Bloomingdale Church has been in lockdown since March 17th, uh, when you know services moved to being exclusively online and all of our ministries moved to Zoom and other you know remote options. Um, and since this is the first show that we've actually recorded since the extension happened and we haven't directly addressed the situation since our sixth episode, uh, let's take today and talk about the good things that have come about because of the COVID-19 shutdown. So let's start off with with a core question of you know what what good has come about? because of the virus that couldn't have otherwise. People want to engage. 
it was wonderful, particularly the first couple of weeks, I'd make phone calls and people would pick up hmm. and they would talk. They just really liked having some human contact. So that's something I've seen that is really neat. And it, it just keeps happening too. People talk to me right on the street. I don't even know some of these people, but they're, they're just so hungry to be mm -hmm. around another human that they're happy to talk to you. I think people are very open to having conversations. Not that they weren't necessarily the people that I was talking with weren't open to conversations before, but there was just more of a vulnerability to sharing about maybe some of the struggles and people I talked to. And so I was glad that that part came about of people being more willing to just say, I'm just having a hard time because of this and such a reason. It gives me a better way, a better understanding to be able to pray for people mm. and better support them in, in this time, which has its own unique challenges and difficulties for all of us. Sure. Really, there's a lot of things I like about what's happened the last few weeks. Me too. The food pantry and watching mm -hmm. this food team jump into action Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and the work they do behind the scenes, I find it inspiring. I mean, it is cool. I walk in the building, and they'll introduce me to somebody who's here that needs help with their rent and People pray with the person, and they go out with food in their hands as well as a little bit of help for their rent. I just think, man, this church is alive. This is great to be mm -hmm. part of it. And like what, something like 15 more people stepped up to help and join in and mm. be a part of it to relieve some of the, so it didn't all fall on just a few people. A wonderful way that for people to get involved. And that people answered the call, serving God, loving other people. Yeah. Fantastic. And the community's helping us. Mm. People knock on the door and say, I've got something here for you. And they're making either a financial donation or a food donation. And sometimes they're big donations. The other day, a man knocked on the door and introduced himself. And he's a real important figure in the community. And it was a pleasure to meet him. But he had in his Tahoe entirely packed in his Tahoe were Krispy Kreme donuts. That's where they So came he gave from. us boxes and boxes and boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. So that's not your typical food pantry item, but it's nice mm -hmm. to be able to give somebody a treat and say, hey, take yeah. this too. Yeah, yeah for mm -hmm. sure. Every week I think I reference like God's perfect power and weakness. But, you know, this has been a time for God to be active in our lives and, and, and in the life of the church. How have you seen God at work throughout the the lockdown i was thinking of the morning live streams that my daughter and i do uh, doing prayer and just sharing a short devotion and, and it's been really neat in the course of doing this for well, i didn't realize it had been like almost two months now i guess yeah well i guess like all of us my days kind of blend together too where it's sometimes hard to remember like okay how long has this been and so i don't, i'm not alone in that but i've enjoyed seeing how the people that log on every morning have become like their own community mm. and really caring for and praying for each other and their needs like outside of the comment section where they will put you know i'm praying for you i see people you know posting on each other's facebook sending each other messages saying like i'm praying for you how is this going like mm. people following up with each other really demonstrating the love of jesus in that way that, that has been really neat to see mm. i always enjoy getting on and praying for people but it's neat to see like going beyond that and seeing people do it themselves yeah I, I had a similar experience as Dan because I do the live stream every evening. Um, what we can do is so limited. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the norm. 
Uh, it's not face to face. It's not hands on in a lot of instances. But still, when I started this, again, almost two months ago, first of all, I had no idea how long it'll be going on for. But also, it was just like this will be kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be you know encouraging to people. And to see that even now, like a month and a half, two months later, where we have routinely, you know, somewhere between 25 and 40 people, like every live stream, like that's incredible to me that, uh, and to see how God is moving and like <laughs> Chelsea and I are just, we just have gotten so goofy in the live streams, but even that's like really blessing people. I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like you drop, you know, you put your drop in the bucket and then God makes the ripples and it's like, wow, this has really accomplished a lot more than I thought it was going mm. to. Um, yeah, I've heard from people that the live streams and different things that we're doing helps them with just the consistency in their day, Yeah, which is cool. Not something I ever would have ever expected. And I've had people be like, I hope that you and Scott will continue on after all this is over. <laughs> I know. It's like, I want to. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to continue to do that somehow, even it won't be able to be every night. Right. But maybe once a week or something. I was, I was I thinking know. something similar. Do you guys have like takeaways that you would say, you know, this started... Obviously, you know, the, the streams have been mm-hmm. really cool. Um, but even like the things that we've learned from the streams and learned from putting, you know, the the whole services online and things like that. Like, are there things that we've learned that you want to continue with once all this is over? 20-minute sermons. Mm-hmm. I really would have a hard time going back to those 30, 40-minute jobbies. <laughs> jobbies? Well. <laughs> Can you spell that for me? I just... <laughs> <laughs> I, I find it really nice to sit in a service where it's happening quickly and there's nothing slowing it down. It's cool. And it really forces you as a preacher to really look at every single word that you're using, mm-hmm. really minimize things, not minimize things down, but I guess that was the wrong word. If you could edit that out, Max. I won't. It makes you be more economical <laughs> with your words and really um, take a look at what you're saying and making sure it's the most impactful hmm. possible. Hmm. I don't know exactly what this will look like, um, but something that I think that we've learned is the importance of digital communication and, and digital presence. Because before it was, you know, this is important because this is important because this is important to society. And like, you might not like it, but social media is the way of the future. So we got to get on board. And now it's like, this is important because this is all that we have. And as we've leaned into it, we've discovered, I think, people engaging who could not or would not engage Mm. before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, again, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but one thing I think we can do, um, at least to some extent going forward, is to just put the full services online instead of just the messages. Mm. Um, Because, you know, there are times when people can't leave their houses. You know, we take... We take for granted that that's limited to this season, but the reality is that for some people, that's just their lives, mm-hmm. and they can't get out very easily. Um, so, like you know, that's something that we could that we could continue going forward. Or, I was talking to, excuse me, to Pastor David yesterday, and he was talking about the possibility of maybe continuing to have, in addition to the in person like Monday night men's group, um, maybe also have when we go back to normal. Uh, like a Zoom, like a virtual one. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what the stated purpose of that was other than just it's going well. But again, it could accomplish that same purpose of like you can't make it to this. Mm. Um, maybe you live kind of far away. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're in a wheelchair. Who knows? But now you can you can come in and you can join. So I think that's something that who knows how much of it will carry forward, but uh, I think some things will definitely carry forward so we can keep engaging people who can't, yeah. who can't make it. 
I was thinking something similar. I've got some people in mind that have come to the church and just for health reasons are not able to, and I've heard them say on numerous occasions, man, I, I, I'm sad that this is all happening, but I'm so glad that I'm able to participate because I wouldn't have been able to before. Hmm. And so, yeah, being mindful of those folks and making ways for them to be able to engage, you know, feel yeah. part of God's family. Yeah. There's, I was going to say, there's definitely something that, you know, you asked, like, what couldn't have happened before? There's something. Mm-hmm. And Bill, you know, you you mentioned this. I love this idea that that there's these restrictions, and maybe it was you, Scott, but I love that the we have these ins- restrictions that have been imposed on us um, by our situation, by the needs of our society. Um, if you had come to me, at least, six months ago and said, okay, uh, we'd like Bloomingdale to do all this online stuff. Um, we'd like to take the services online. You know, we'd like to create more engagement with the people in our audience. We'd like more more opportunities. We'd like to make the staff more accessible. I would not really know where to start. But because we've had a chance where everything is funneled down this very strict, you know, rule set, it lets us get more creative, at least to me. Having that structure means, okay, now I can start to think laterally within this tiny little space that we're crammed into. Um, it feels like a, like a dynamic shift from a style of church that we're all very familiar with to being a lot more engageable and accessible in that, like, you can request songs for Scott and Chelsea and occasionally me to sing at 6 p.m. at night, you know, and, and people's requests are constantly being fulfilled. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can send prayer requests to Dan in the comments of a Facebook video and he will pray for them either on the spot or the next day. Um, I love that because that, that, that's not something that would ever have been possible no. before. Because I'd be like you try to find out what are people's needs and maybe not find out right away. But that that avenue yeah. lets them say like in the moment like what's going on in your life, and then let's bring it to the Lord. And you and got so it is cool. You got Chelsea and Daniel Wright and Morgan and you two, and even through the podcast, you know, every single week and in some cases every day, somebody is there, reading comments and like interacting. You know, one on one. How many times did we have as a congregation have access to 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 Morgan? Right. Um, you know, every week to to really get to a listen to the the awesome teaching and equipping that she's doing, but also then to tell you know about family needs, about prayer requests, to share ideas, to to, to have to, input on a smoothie, to have input on uh, a smoothie. This is awesome. <laughs> in what other way were we going to force Mickey to <laughs> eat some shrimp in a smoothie? Um, I think that's really cool, and I I just don't think that could have happened without mm-hmm. without us being forced into this. Uh, area and I don't want it to go away. I'd love for just the level of accessibility and engagement and interactability to to somehow find a way to to continue. Mm-hmm. Recovery through Christ has increased their numbers going this way. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, some people have DUIs, so they not allowed to drive, but they can hop on Zoom and join a meeting. But I don't think it's that as much as just I can get there instantly, and when it's over, I'm instantly gone. Mm. And I think mm. because the time commitments are lower, yeah. the attendance is higher. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a <clears throat> much lower barrier to entry to just open up your laptop or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. I think for me, like when I'm thinking about 
going to something or whatever. Just that getting out the door, getting ready, getting out the door, driving the 10 or 20 minutes to get there. Mm -hmm. That can really be, it's dumb, but it can be a really big deterrent to actually going to something that I want to be at. For Mm -hmm. sure. And for some people, the idea of even coming in a church building is a huge deterrent in and of itself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so removing that obstacle yeah. helps people. And a lot of people in a lot of ways, you know, have that fear of coming into a church building. And the interesting flip side of it is that I think sitting, if I had to listen to the same sermon and I could watch it on a on a laptop screen or I could be in the congregation, I'd want to be in the congregation because sure. that's easier for me to pay attention. If you could, this is an odd question, but if you could go two months back and talk to your past self or give a message to the staff about the the days that were about to come and all the changes that were going to happen. Like what would be your encouragement to them? What would be your advice? You'll You're going to get a lot up. of reading done. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you'll still be alive in two months. <laughs> um, I think I think the biggest encouragement I would give uh, is just like this is gonna work, mm. like all the things that you're doing, it's gonna it's gonna bless people. Mm. Um, even though, because at the beginning it was so bizarre and just scrambling around trying to get everything ready, you know, on on the website, on Facebook, all this stuff. And I think we were distracted by the busyness, but like all that work, you don't know if it's gonna help anything. You know, you don't know if it's gonna if people are gonna, gonna care. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think just knowing that, like, yeah. Stick with it because it's mm. it's gonna make a difference. Mm. Thinking, look for the good even in the bad. Look for the the good of what God's doing, and kind of like we've talked about on the podcast before. Jesus on every page in the Bible. Look where Jesus is mm. working and join in with what He's doing. Yeah. True to form. Last week uh, I talked about God's Smuggler, and this week I started reading it again. That book is so amazing. But there's two lines in the in the first third of that book um, when when um, Brother Andrew is being sort of trained and really growing in his faith and also growing as a faith leader to go out and be a missionary. Uh, there's two sort of lines that really stick with me. The first one is um, one of his mentors says, you know, time and place are our restrictions. We shouldn't impose them on God. And the other one he says is uh, same guy uh, later in the book when when he's trying to launch a mission into the into Czechoslovakia, but he doesn't have the money for it. He's like, after everything you've been through and all the things that God has built in you, like money is what's worrying you. Like money belongs to God. <laughs> if he <laughs> needs you somewhere, he'll he'll get you there. So my advice would, would have been, it would be like, just because there's a pandemic going on, like just because we didn't plan for this doesn't mean that God didn't plan for it. <laughs> like all the things Absolutely. that we've been seeing him build in us and the people he's been making us to be, we didn't know it was for now, but it is for now. And and we've discovered, and I think we've seen a lot of evidence that so many people, all the people on this staff um, and in this congregation, we have 15 people volunteering for our food pantry that's blown up in the last three weeks. All of us were built, equipped with the the skills and the tools and the heart and the personality that we needed to do the job that he had planned for us during this. And so my encouragement would be like, you know, be be yourselves and keep leaning into who God's making you to be. And and even though you don't know this, he knows that that he built you for this. That's just been such a cool surprise and and a big place of joy for me of just seeing 
all the members of the staff and all these members of the congregation just just plugging in and and being like oh that is like a really good spot for that person to like be working like that's a great spot for me to be working and and you know none of that would have happened if we hadn't been been forced together i have one more question uh it's weirder still if (laughs) uh if you were to explain what's happening right now how people feel how god's moving to a person who wasn't alive at the time, to a 10-year-old, if they were going to listen to this and it was a message that you'd left for them from the past to mm. explain how things are going well, now. If it's to a 10-year-old, it's got to be pretty succinct. <laughs> <laughs> it's when the world stopped, when everything, all that was normal, just life stopped mm. and gave us a unique opportunity to connect with God and with each other in different ways. Mm. Hardly any traffic. That just keeps blowing my mind. You can just pull right out into the street and drive and go on the expressway. There's nobody on it to speak of. It's great. That's going to be a big letdown when all the cars are back. <laughs> that and the gas prices. Yeah. yeah. True. I think you don't realize how much you take for granted as like normal or as, as like a given in your life mm. until something like this happens, which impacts almost everything. You know, it's really bizarre where two and a half months ago, Leah would just be like, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go get some groceries. It's like, okay, thanks. Uh, (laughs) And now it's like, okay, well, do you have a mask? Is it clean? Have you washed it since we last went out? Earlier on, I was like, I don't really want you going by yourself because things were really crazy. When you get there, what are they going to have? What you're looking for? Like, who knows? Almost every single aspect of life has been affected or changed in some way. And it's not horrible. Like, we're not all suffering in this hellscape. Mm -hmm. But it is, you realize how much you just take for granted. Mm -hmm. I think it gives truth to the phrase, like, that God is constant, that Mm -hmm. he doesn't change. That, like, the rug is pulled out from under us. And and suddenly we're, like, in a completely different room. All the wallpapers change. All the furniture's change. Like, everything is different, but God's still, like... Standing house is still there. there. <laughs> it's it, crazy. Even something like going to a restaurant and sitting down to eat. I mean, that's something we've all done our whole lives. Mm-hmm. What have we not been able to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how much has God like stayed the same? Uh-huh. Yeah, God's just kept on moving, and He's kept on working, and He's kept on um, pressing and chasing after me for a mm-hmm. relationship with Him. I'm I'm curious, and there's no way to answer this question, but in 20 years, or 15 years, 10 years. What will the kids now be thinking as a result of, of mm. this? Will this be something that kind of marks their life like my own was marked by 9-11, for example? Like That's something that I can remember. That's like a collective cultural memory. Mm-hmm. Will this be something that like my daughter, who's nine, can look back on and say, wow, I remember that, and that was crazy. Yeah. And this is that marked my life, and hopefully her relationship with God mm-hmm. was improved and grown as a result. But I just wonder how this upcoming generation will look back at this. We talk about this a fair amount, but I think your daughter in in particular and and all the kids in this congregation will be able to say, looking back, they'll see how the world changed and they'll have living proof that that the gospel thrives under oppression. The gospel thrives Mm -hmm. under difficulty. She'll have you and her memories of this Mm -hmm. time and, and Amber and and all the members of this church and the staff to look at and say like, man, like when things got hard and, and, Mm. and society shut down, like 
that's when the gospel like blew up. That's when yeah. that's when my family, my parents like said, "Okay, it's time to time to move." Like we're going online. We're going to start preaching to people. <laughs> uh, let's get into uh, my colleagues' rock, uh, the part of the show where we get to brag about the fantastic people that we work with. Uh, let's keep it open to uh, to people who are on staff, people who are off staff, um, just the people who have been you know working for the kingdom of God right now. I'd like to give a shout out to Therese Z. Um, I don't know if we've shouted out to her before. I'd like to shout out to her because she's just doing a great job where she's working, really being a person of influence in the lives of teens and adults as well, hmm. and just looking for opportunities to advance God's kingdom work uh, where she's working. And I'm just real proud of her. And way to go, Therese. I'll give a shout out to Paul Johnson. He has an amusement business setting up carnival rides at fairs. And that's been just completely shut down because of COVID-19. But talking to him on the phone yesterday, he still was able to laugh. He's still able to praise the Lord. It was a real good testimony of this is the Christian life in action Mm -hmm. under duress from your business just getting capsized. Yeah. This is more of a personal one, but I want to shout out to Chelsea uh, Reinhold, my sister, and also Amber Marcello, who both have given a lot of time. Um, a little bit of context, Leah and I are in the process of moving upstairs in the gray gray house on on campus and and there's just a lot of a lot of things that needed to be doing that needed doing up there, including painting. Uh, and so we're, we're painting a lot. And Amber has given uh, hours of her time, and Chelsea's given hours of her time in just the last few days just to help us. And we're really, really grateful because we've been able to get just so much more done because of that. And they do really high-quality work, too. So it's just mm. we're just very, um, very grateful for them. And shout-outs, as always, to the, the food pantry team, which gets bigger and bigger and bigger every week. Um, but just, like, the constant daily work that they do even though we're only open three days a week um the level of organization that that has been taken to it you know the level of of dedication um just really taking the food pantry to the next level to respond to the need um and really bringing in so many people has been awesome and i was going to shout out to chelsea she's going to be on the show next week talking about mental health in the church mental health in our lives and our relationships with god and just the resources that she's been sharing in the run-up to that episode have, have been really exciting so i'm i'm really excited to to get to have her on the show next week and she's a good neighbor. She lives below me and <laughs> she's a Chelsea. If you're listening, there's a box that was delivered for you. It's on the stairs. I have two <laughs> technological shout outs. Okay. One is to Adrian for working to have yeah. the four singers. Oh, that was phenomenal. That was such a great way to start the service. Mm-hmm. And then a shout out to Max for putting together an awesome video about the food pantry ministry WGN could put that on their news tonight and they wouldn't even have to edit. It, it's just so good. So those are two of the things that have really caught my eye this mm-hmm. week. Let's close with a book review. Bill's book reviews, telling you about books that you've never heard of that you have no intention of reading. Since 2020. Filling in for Bill <laughs> As this always. week. Filling in for Bill this week is Scott Reed. Scott, what book have you brought for us today? So uh, this is... Uh, I was asked to do this. I did not offer this. You offered like... this last week. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. And then I cut you off to talk about God smuggling. Well, a week ago, I finished reading um, 
The Fourfold Gospel by A.B. Simpson, who was the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, for my ordination process. And uh, and I think we were talking about it before the live stream or before the podcast last week. And so then I got entangled in the Bill's book reviews. But anyway, uh, for those of you that don't know, our church is part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. That is our denomination. It's a, dom- it's a denomination that was founded a little over 100 years ago. What is it, like 100 and... 1887. So oh, oh, like 150 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So more than a little over a hundred years ago, but anyway, in the last 200 years. Uh, and it was founded by a man named A.B. Simpson. And uh, one of the sort of core doctrinal things that really drove him was this idea of the fourfold gospel, which he outlines in this book. It's very short. It's like 50 pages, um, but it's like very dense. Um, so you could read it in a few days, which is what I did, or you could read it over like a long period of time and give yourself some break. Um, but so the fourfold gospel, in case you, again, if you don't know, is is this idea that Jesus is our savior, our sanctifier, our healer, and our coming king. Um, so the Alliance uh, like logo has these four little things on it uh, that represent those four positions. And so there's uh, essentially one chapter for each of those, and then kind of two concluding chapters about kind of how that impacts our life. And uh, it's really good. Um, it's really it, There were some really interesting things and some compelling things. Uh, it is heady, so it's it's not the easiest thing to, to get through. Um, but also, I feel like we don't talk a ton about our denomination at our church, probably so that we don't alienate people or, or make them feel weird or anything. But if you're interested in learning more about our denomination uh, and more about like kind of some of the core tenets that are very biblical, but also that are very important to us specifically as the CNMA, I encourage you to read it. Thank you. Well, kind of a weird episode this week, uh, but that's all the time we have. Uh, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, thank you, Max. Max. Dan. Bill never thanks Max. (laughs) And he never will. Dan, take us home. You've been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to be with you. Coming to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. (laughs) Thank you, Max. We're going to take a technical timeout and fix all the wires. <laughs> hmm. All right, I think we're good. As long as there's no more pounding on the tables, I think, I think we I should be I can't clap. Fine. I can't see my hands. Uh, we now resume from our technical timeout with a prayer from Dan Marcello. <laughs> you know, in like a year, we'll be saying the heart of the nation with no sense of irony. No, we'll just be like, because we're all that's left. It'll just... <laughs> Because we still haven't opened. (laughs) (laughs) Illinois is the only one left. All the other states. You told that story last week where you're like, I was brought to church at 10 days old. When I was editing the podcast, I had the urge to say this, but it was like such a serious moment I didn't want to. And I so regret it. I should have been like, and they made you do the mid-service announcements, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. I was just born 10 days ago. I can talk. Why leave the same way you came? <laughs> <laughs> <Holy Jesus. laughs>